How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track from managing your motivation, workload, and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that will help keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. On this episode of The Glue Guys, Brian and I will unpack the latest nugget involving Kevin Durant's possible return to the Brooklyn Nets. A sour (laughs) nugget, if you will. You got in trouble. Woj got got you in trouble. And we will also begin our multi-part series involving Brooklyn Nets depth pieces. Depth pieces. Deep. Sounds deep. You could call it a deep dive. Thank you. <laughs> let's 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 do that, actually. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike, your solo brain. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, netsaily.com, The Athletic. Get 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash glue guys. Brian? Dag, Mike. I feel like I'm on the I'm, I'm doing a podcast with Eminem recording Rap God. <laughs> wow. What an intro. <laughs> the Nets are back. Your, your elocution is wow. on point. I just Second. thought about the moment when the NBA does come back. Whether it mm-hmm. is in June, July, December, the Nets are back. Will really feel it'll feel like a moment, you know. It's going to be special. It's going to be a special. The Nets are back. Um, this is a special episode. Um, we <laughs> have begun to pull the thread that is Kevin Durant's return, and the man mm. kind of holding all the threads mm. in this situation, in all NBA situations. Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN has spoken on the issue, though. I think, as we will unpack here, there's more to it than just the simple line that we've all kind of seen on Twitter that did scare me to death. And Brian and I will begin the series everyone has been waiting for, Brooklyn Nets, Depth Pieces, A Deep Dive, colon, part one. Would you say that this is the beginning of a new series or a continuation of the longer series? Would you? Yeah. Important question. Put it to... Put it to Twitter. But make a poll. Okay, so if if this was the Harry Potter series, mm. best fit was Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> you know, most uh, desirable was yeah. oh my gosh, I've already forgotten what number two of the Harry Potter sequel. Well, Chamber of was Secrets it? was Harry. That was the second number one. two. Uh, I didn't even read Sorcerer's those books Stone I number one. Yeah, come on, um, Death Pieces will be our Goblet of Fire. This is. I feel question. like this is going to be more like the the Dobby. Um, <laughs> The unwritten Dobby side canon books, <laughs> you know, the fanfic they're a little... Dobby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fan, fan. This is maybe erotic fanfic with Dobby. Um, so this is erotic fanfic with Dobby. Okay, yeah. first speaking of erotic fanfiction, Adrian Wojnarowski. <laughs> uh, so Woj has a very successful podcast where he brings on very smart people and they have conversations. And within a conversation with Rachel Nichols and Bobby Marks, Bobby Marks former Nets assistant GM, I think was his title. I'm sure it was something different, but that's who it was. Uh, they, were, right. they were kind of discussing the really big questions surrounding how the NBA could return, if it is going to return, and all that super fun stuff. And in the conversation, I think it was around like the 44-minute mark of the pod. I could be way off on that, but that's what I'm going to say. Woj was discussing, this was how it's set up, okay? So the quote that we all have seen out there regarding Adrian Wojnarowski and Kevin Durant, he says, Kevin Durant is not coming back to the Nets this year. That's not happening. Okay, I think that's just the quote that we saw. It was in the Nets Daily article. It's been tweeted out many times. It's been aggregated like crazy, but that's the thing that we saw. I will provide the context, Brian. The context is Woj was discussing the disaster scenario that if the NBA rushes into a return, doesn't give the proper ramp up to the playoffs, and then a bunch of star players get hurt, 
it would not only ruin this end of the season, but it would ruin the next season because you could potentially not have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and all these guys who may get hurt because there's not a proper runway into the playoffs. So he says that, and then he, hmm. within his spiel, he says, guys, Kevin Durant is not coming back to the Nets this year. That's not happening. Here's the next sentence. They're not playing him. Okay? I will tell you, this is in full honesty. Obviously, I saw the, the quote, Kevin Durant is not coming back this this year. That's not happening. I saw only that this weekend, and I was dour. Very dour. More, more than usual. More than usual. Because I don't know if you feel this way, but like, Sean Marks could be saying the things that he had been saying. Ian Eagle, of course, can be saying the things that he'd been saying. Rich Kleiman can say that it's unrealistic to discuss a KD comeback right now. Kevin Durant himself can be has said in the past, I don't think I'm going to come back, though he hasn't said that since we all went into quarantine. So his mm-hmm. position may have changed in and of itself. But Woj saying that scared the crap out of me. Wow. Because... Woj usually saying those type of things, he knows what he's saying. He's not a person who goes loosey-goosey with his words, and he gets fed specific information. And when he said specifically, Kevin Durant is not coming back to the Nets this year, that's not happening. I was like, oh, shit. Kevin Durant is not coming back this year. Were you as terrified as I when that quote first hit your ears or your eyeballs if you were reading it? Probably not as terrified as you because you've really (laughs) – gone out on a limb here, staked your entire reputation on this take, um, and and are living and dying with every gasp of breath about Kevin Durant coming or not going, whatever. Um, so no, I wouldn't say as, as appalled as you were by it. Um, that being said, this is an interesting situation because here on one hand, we have Ian Eagle with his take and Woj on, on the other hand with his take, these, these takes are not compatible, and yet they are equally reputable sources, Mike. What yeah. do you think about all that? That's the that's the thing. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here, Mike? Well, what I do think overall, and this is why I wanted to discuss this on the pod, more so than oh, anything having to do with Kevin Durant, was like this sort of moment. What, what Woj said, this sentence. So again, I think what most people had just saw was that Woj saying Kevin Durant is not coming back to that's this year. I don't think a lot of people actually saw the line where he says, they are not playing him, okay? And I want to make this important. So this to, is... <laughs> to get to the end of my okay. point at the beginning, I actually uh-huh. don't think this changes anything with what Woj said because here's the facts. They are not playing him. Who is they are, Brian? Who's the they are in that sentence? Um, I I believe it's in reference to the Nets, yes. the, the brass. The, the top brass of the Brooklyn Nets. They are not playing him. Okay. Well, t- to be honest... They are not making the decision. And kind of how we know that is that Sean Marks himself has even said that the Nets aren't really making the decision. Of course, he's talked about how they're going to consult with their doctors and all of that. But he has specifically said, Sean Marks, that it's up to Kevin. We're not going to push Kevin, but it is up to Kevin if he wants to come back and play basketball. So Woj is saying Kevin Durant's not coming back this season. They are not playing him. That implies that the Nets have the preeminent power in this situation. And of course the Nets could could uh, like put him on IR or officially like put him on ice this season. They can tell Jacques Vaughn not to play him. They could lock Kevin Durant out of their practice facility. I don't think they're gonna do that. They are not making the decision. The Nets aren't. The team the person who's making the decision is Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant is healthy, he's gonna be told by the doctors that he's healthy. And we do believe that he is healthy from all the information that we have accumulated over the past X amount of weeks from Chris Chioza telling us that Kevin Durant has played five on five to Ian Eagle going on Mike Francesco's show saying that Kevin Durant is, for what I understand, fully healthy to Sean Marks talking to the New Zealand news outlet saying Kevin Durant looks like Kevin Durant again. And that's a good thing. Um, Kevin Durant himself sharing video. Well, his brother, Tony Durant sharing videos of Durant dunking down the middle of the lane. All this information shows that Kevin Durant's healthy. Okay, so let's move health aside. So it's a decision of value, worth, and all that stuff. The Nets aren't really making that decision. The Nets could probably say, Sean Marks could probably sit down with Kevin and say, Kevin, it's not worth it to play this season. Here are the risk factors. There's so many unknowns. You shouldn't play basketball. But if Durant says himself, I want to play basketball. I, I've been watching... 
and I'll get to this point, but and I think this is kind of I've been watching The Last Dance and I've been seeing Michael Jordan be an absolute psychopath of competitiveness. And I miss basketball. He's missed basketball for a year now. It's almost it was of like last Thursday was a year since he hurt his calf against the Houston Rockets in the Western Conference semifinals. And then he only played like 12 minutes in one game of the NBA finals and then got hurt. So he's basically missed basketball for a year. Do you think, sorry, sorry to interrupt this whole Please line do. of Thank thinking, you. but oh. do you think because the whole world of basketball has been so enamored with the Last Dance documentary, with the exception, huge, massive exception of Ken Burns, which sh- it should be noted, Ken Burns is not <laughs> enjoying the Last <laughs> Explains Dance. Explains people the Ken Burns thing. <laughs> Oh, uh, Ken Burns went to TMZ. It was TMZ, right? Um, I'm sure it was TMZ. <laughs> the most Ken to, Burns way to disseminate news. <laughs> to uh, just verbally dunk his own dunk all over The Last Dance, saying that it was bad for... Ken Burns is a famous documentary filmmaker. I'm sure people know. He's done a lot of stuff for PBS. You may have heard of it. Um, it's all very academic, very historically accurate. You know, super re- heavily researched, that kind of stuff. It's for nerds, nerd documentaries, bottom line. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> so anyways, he went out very publicly um, and denounced the making of these films as anti-academic, anti-historical, because the production company was an extension of the person that it was doing the documentary on. So Michael Jordan is involved with the production company and has a whole lot of say over what happens in this thing. So Ken Burns was saying that this is just bad. That's a bad precedent to set for all of this stuff anyways. But the, the real message is, so everyone's watching this thing anyway. Nobody cares about Ken Burns. Shut up, Ken. Nobody cares. We're watching the last dance. Uh, and, and it's great. And everyone's enjoying it. And I, I wonder if, if Kevin Durant is sitting home watching this himself, I'm sure he is seeing the, in the first episode, maybe second episode where, uh, Michael Jordan breaks his foot and then just like, Here's that the doctor saying like you, there's like a ten percent chance you'll break it again and you'll be like maybe like it'll be a career ending injury and he's like oh I'll take those odds any day that's great those are great odds yeah. just because he's like a manic gambler you know and those are like <laughs> if you could say he's like ninety percent odds to win it's oh I'm all in you know hundred percent so he uh, so and I'm wondering if that like there's a certain kind of when you're when you're competing at that level you can do that kind of math a little bit more easily right there's like a lot of uh, almost like an ability to divorce yourself from a lot of that risk, you know, in order to even get to those those upper echelons of competitive anything, you know, you have to be thinking really in terms of like, you know, a ten percent risk is not a not a risk worth considering. So, you know, I nothing I do is sort of factored into that. So, I'm wondering if he's seeing that and thinking like I should get back to playing basketball, despite you know, like if yes. someone is saying there's a point five percent risk that I you know could you know not re-injure my, you know, just, I, I think he's more, I don't know. He might be pretty healthy. He might not be, who knows, but like, let's say that they're giving him 10% chances of re-injury. I, I'm wondering if he's seeing that and being a little inspired by MJ's competitive spirit there, Mike. I almost, and, and like, so let me just talk about percentages. I know you weren't like nailing down 10%. Just from what I can understand about Achilles, Duran is not putting himself at any more risk by playing now as he would if he would play in September or if the season is start in December. Obviously, he's, there's no risk by not playing until December because he's not risking himself playing basketball. But again, I've talked about this before. The moment the season ends, we're going to see Kevin Durant on a basketball court where Carmelo Anthony is playing hoodie mellow in that like basketball court in Tribeca. Like, Without getting too into it, what is it about the Achilles that does that, though? What is it? What is it that, like, it's just good or it's not? Is that the deal with the Achilles? I mean, most injuries, it's healed or it's not, right? And, like, but but what we've been conditioned to as sports fans is knowing that, like, oh, a knee injury, he can play through the pain of a knee injury. When really, like, he most players aren't healthy when they're actually playing through it. Well, they aren't healthy when they're playing through injuries. But, but the Achilles rehab itself... If you fall below a certain threshold, if you're not healthy enough, massive amount of chance of re-injury. Once you reach above a third th- threshold, you're mostly safe for the most part, right? Like you could, of course, re-injure it, but for the most part, you're fully safe. I mean, most injuries, I think, operate under that way, and but it's just that with the Achilles, we know that he's pretty much fully healthy. It's about rebuilding strength and all of that stuff, and mm-hmm. he was looking from our interview with Chris Chioza and from Sean Mark saying this, we know that Kevin Durant was looking like Kevin Durant. And his also his game isn't predicated on power or strength. 
So there's like different factors probably for Kevin Durant than if you were Shaquille O'Neal and you had an Achilles. If Shaquille O'Neal had an Achilles injury, almost would be for sure the end of relatively his career because just the amount of weight you have to put on it. Foot injuries for Yao Ming or whatever. I mean, Durant has had a foot injury, the same foot injury that Michael Jordan had, and Durant has seemingly that hasn't affected him. Though I'm sure if you're a conspiracy theorist, his foot injury eventually down the line has affected this calf injury that turned into an Achilles injury and all this. But anyways. Anyways, we're getting lost in the weeds here. The last dance. And I do think Mm -hmm. this is my, we don't really talk that much about the last dance just because everyone, even though the Nets were on, I guess the Nets were part of. (laughs) There was the Chris Gatling led Nets who was, I forgot how interesting looking Chris Gatling was. So the, the Nets made an appearance. So thank you all for who've been waiting for like a big Nets moment on the last dance. That was that huge. Um, I do think there's some we, there's some psychological effect that has to be happening with athletes while watching The Last Dance in quarantine. Because, again, for most of their lives, basketball has been the thing that made them special and it's been their safe haven in different ways. And it's been the thing that, like, you and I podcast because we, we are amazing at it. You know, our, <laughs> I'm bad in the kitchen. I don't want to I don't want to cook. I just I, I just bake some bread, fresh fresh bread. I've been doing this is this is where I'm at with this quarantine. Well, you're a renaissance bread. man. It's tough yeah. to compare anyone. This is the king of soups. I didn't I didn't, I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want to. So it wasn't this, me trying to one up you. Give this I just wanted lemongrass, coconut just milk. excited about the bread. Sorry, I should have said anything. <laughs> but so we podcast because we're good at it. It's the thing we do. Basketball players wow. are professional basketball players because they're good at basketball, right? And like most of them have gotten there because they are insanely competitive. You know, they were competitive at a, at a certain point. I do think watching The Last Dance and seeing the peak pinnacle of competitiveness in Michael Jordan and this documentary, which I love, has done an incredible job of building up the the even more of the myth around Jordan by showing you select key moments of how he's been. Don't you think like they, it has sort of reinvigorated the idea that like Jordan is the GOAT in mm. a certain way. I think, I think my, so here's my like end all be all sort of argument to the goat. This is the only thing I say. If, if forced gun to my head, forced to engage with a goat conversation, there's a goat bow and arrow to, to throat, <laughs> right? Bring in my to, face to chest. I'll say that the Will Bond thing that he, uh, and it was probably like episode three or something, or maybe even, I don't know. First three episodes, Will Bond's talking yes. about, um, the, the fact that like MJ is on the Mount Rushmore with Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali and he doesn't get too much into that, but I think that that is like maybe the strongest argument because basically what he's saying is that he was sort of responsible for an ascendance of the popularity of the thing itself that he was great at. You know, like Muhammad Ali and Babe Ruth were there for the rise of prominence of their thing and in, in the cultural consciousness, right? Michael Jordan is undeniably that for basketball. So I think that there is like a sort of greatness that is thrust upon them. And, and you don't even have to really invoke their on court, on in ring, on field. You know, you don't have to even engage with that just to be like, look at what the what it did for the, the concept of the thing that they are great at. Right. And that's all that that's really the all. It's not a very complicated point because like LeBron James will probably like defer to the same thing. Like we can you can do some like weird generational math about who's like the better whatever, but like just necessarily. So he preceded me in a way he like made the league something special that I am now a participant in. I, I funnel some specialness into it myself, but not in the same way. Right. And everything in, you know, this isn't necessarily a a true goat debate, but I think the sort of the, the arc of Jordan's career is going to make it, really impossible for anyone to to that's knock him the off the thing. goat it, that's the other thing he was so good at staying in the headlines that's the like when you realize like just year to year like i mean those first few years when he's just like you know toiling with the pistons whatever like that's not a very headline heavy thing although that's a good arc but even you know, that good, even yeah. that is that is a, that is the true arc it's not even yeah. an arc it's like it's a comet through the sky. It's, it's, it's Gratian. That yeah, storytelling right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then and then he just like retires and retires. He just makes sure to stay in well, the, he goes the limelight. The wizards, but yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and all kinds of interesting. Things. Well, like, so, so yeah. And the, the, it's a simple fact of like he wins. So I think it was also Will Bond who said, or maybe it was David Aldridge who said, you know, Magic had won two in a row. 
uh, Hakeem had won two in a row. It probably wasn't Hakeem who he would have said, but he said, like, there's been a lot of guys who've won two in a row, but very few who've won three in a row. And Jordan going for the three-peat in that time, just the first three-peat, is like, that puts him on this elevated plane because no one gets three in a row. And then he wins another three in a row when he comes back and then he retires. And LeBron almost would need to, he would need to win with the Lakers this year, win with the Lakers next year. And then it, to me, it becomes an, a more even oh, argument. You're getting, you're getting into, that's traditional goat argument territory, Mike. You're, that's you're, the place. I mean, you're, you're doing it. You're, that's you're the doing place it. you have to be, but that's, those are the simple <laughs> no, facts. Those are, like, ultimately uh, LeBron. So, and I, this is football. And, well, I'll do this very quickly because I know no one cares. But there was a moment, there's different moments when like people think Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT quarterback. He's won one Super Bowl. And if you really look at it, Brett Favre had just as good of a career in his era, if not better, than Aaron Rodgers. So how can, and so, so like all those like things, like we kind of get caught up in the moment. Jordan and this documentary and linking it back to Durant. I just imagine a lot of these competitive basketball players are sitting there watching this. They're all commenting on it on social media. Twitter, Instagram, they're all talking about the last dance and they've all have fashioned their career in one way or the other after Michael Jordan. Anyways, he was all of their heroes unless they're young enough to where LeBron was their hero. Right. But even LeBron again is or Kobe, but LeBron and Kobe are all really, they're both offshoots of MJ. Like the way you talked about MJ elevated the NBA to this point. LeBron has taken it to a certain level. Kobe is taking to a certain level, but they're really still offshoots yeah, of MJ that, that cultural consciousness growth chart it's like 80 percent Michael Jordan responsible for and then like they those guys finished off the last 20 percent and so I think a lot of guys are wa- literally watching the last dance thinking I want to get out back out there so badly and try to be like Mike in that way I want to be back on the basketball court where they always want to be for the most part and I want to play basketball now of course there's all these op- complications like Am I going to be there with my family? I'm going to be in quarantine. Are they going to be locked in a hotel room and all that crazy stuff? Sure. The, but for the most part, I think they'd rather be playing basketball right now than playing video games, except unless if you're Myers Leonard, who only wants to play video yeah, games. He's gaming, gaming hard. Um, uh, go Bears, too. What, can I also say one thing? Please. So you, you mentioned that you were a fantastic, maybe best podcaster alive. Um, yeah, probably. Top, and I, what's interesting is... I think that we should figure out a way to do a competitive podcasting because here's something that people don't know about Mike. He is insane competitive, really a very competitive person, <laughs> a, a, a true psychopath, the Michael Jordan of podcasting. Really? I'm a, com- um, I'm a competitive person in when it doesn't benefit me in any yeah. way. Like we have to figure out a way <laughs> competitive. I don't let mother, right. I don't let MFers get in front of me in the line. Right, story. you're the guy who's like, I'll be damned if somebody like passes me on the right in a car <laughs> or the left. left. Any getting passed in any giving up an inch intense. to you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm trying to figure out a way to do competitive podcasting. We'll we'll figure it out. Well, um, Brian has rejected my idea so many times now. But oh the boy. one way to do it is to do the 24-hour podcast that we discussed. <laughs> no, that's not. That's, you can do anything for 24. That's just an endurance test to see yes. if you can't fall asleep. Yes. That's just. Endurance you, is. Why don't you just take an Ambien and try not to fall asleep at that the, point? The, that's two, the, <laughs> the two tent poles of sports, uh, the beginnings of sport, of athletic competition is speed and endurance. No, no. It's either I don't running do a distance or running it endurance. fast. I do it speed. I'm going speed. Well, I'll go we speed the podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my specialty. I have always thought about we should do a segment of a lot of people listen to podcasts on one and a half speed. We should do a one and a half speed. Just naturally try to talk that fast and do a segment. Just run through. Don't We won't electronically speed ourselves up. But like for the people who are on one and a half speed, we, we will save you the time. Don't press the button. Let's just talk fast. Mike, that's a great idea. We should totally do that. Um but in the interim, let's get to let's get yeah. Well, we'll do we we'll just one. Oh, one last thing. Oh, okay. Just Kevin Durant. I just want to say this again: the fact that Woj. So someone had tweeted. The reason why I wanted to investigate the Woj quote further was because someone had tweeted us when I had tweeted out something else, which is how Twitter works. You tweet something and people tweet stuff at you. That's Twitter.com. It's a website and an app actually as well. It, they said you should listen to the quote. One of our followers said that, and I apologize on the name. You should listen to the quote because it sounded like Woj said it more sort of in passing or within the middle of a 
of a conversation than a direct like report. So like sources tell me, blah, blah, blah. So I did listen to it and you everyone should listen to it. And Woj is saying it not in passing, but within sort of a larger kind of spiel that he was having. And again, Woj saying they're not playing him. He he could have just been kind of casual with it, though he rarely is casual. The they are the Nets. And again, Kevin Durant has the power in his hands, as he should, because he's the person who's coming back from rehab. If he is healthy, which we believe he is, and if he feels like he wants to play, then he's playing basketball. So Rich Kleiman has said it's unrealistic, though I don't understand what's unrealistic about it. We understand Durant is healthy. And I last th- it's up to Kevin Durant. It's last tinfoil hat wearing moment. Please. You know how Kevin Durant has issues with the media and is oh. often looking to <laughs> downplay their accuracy. Do you think that this is just another like a piece of evidence to suggest maybe he will come back just to prove <laughs> if, he's, if he's on the fence about it, it was like, I got to prove what was wrong on this one. Um, I love that that <laughs> yeah. is where your mind went. And that I makes mean, me even more the, excited. That he's, he, he's as petty as I am. I mean, that's the thing. Like the, he will, he's, we play in the dirt like that. Okay. Mike, I, that's something I would do. Who, who do you think gets, who breaks that story? Who's your prediction for like, cause it Kevin. may not be Sham Sharani. It may be in fact, like Jay Williams. Give it to us, Kevin. Give it to us. Come on. Looking for, we got, we need someone to do. Give it to us. To, to go back a second. I remember. <laughs> I think I just think he just got excited about the idea. This one. I remember thinking this as a young hot take artist was when LeBron had his decision. You know how Le- how Kevin Durant first announced his first extension with the Thunder was a simple tweet on Twitter where he just said, "Hey, I'm going to return to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm re-signing up." That's all he did. And I know he, in fact, I'm pretty sure he did after the decision. He made that choice to do it to kind of show that he. Didn't need all that fanfare, though. Obviously, Durant Durant zigs and zags with the moment. It would be a pretty good zag if he got in our DMs and said, hey, glue guys, I'm going to come on your show and say something. Just don't ask me any questions. I'm just going to say one thing. And then he does his version of the I'm back facts, but which it just says like he just comes on our show and says, I'm coming back this season and then disappears. And we, have, and we can't say anything. And we could go either way on this. Honestly, totally. It's like, that would be, <laughs> that would be fine if that happened. But like, it's really, Kevin, that's up to you. Um, it's up but, to you man. but fun idea, Mike, fun idea. If you were to guess on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe. Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a licensed U.S. physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. If you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right. Well, Brian and I have been talking about this specific podcast for a while now, and this is our deep dive into Nets depth pieces, meaning, and Brian, you know, help me out here, but basically it's like, it's it's bench players, kind of bit role players who are veterans who the Nets could sign in free agency to kind of boost the bench in some way, that if you're a contending team... You know, Danny Green is a bit rich for this, but think of like a Danny Green type, like a guy who could be out there in the final minutes of game, but like most likely is just kind of helping you within key moments. So, yeah, I like that example. And we should do some some more of those types of like these guys are probably too expensive for what we're talking about. But these are the these are the um, look, we're going to be vying for some kind of championship, I think, in the not too distant future. This is the kind of this is the kind of team that we've put together. Mike, at least according, that's the goal. According to Ja Rule, Ja Rule has tweeted out today saying, 
if the Nets do get Kevin Durant back and Kyrie Irving this season, they could win the championship. This season. Well, John knows his stuff. Um, And so, yeah, basically. He's also a con artist. Is that true? Well, he didn't. It was the. Yeah. Oh, right, right. And then there was that. uh, But he didn't really know. It didn't seem like he knew. Oh, he didn't seem like he knew. He just just got taken taken in by some some millennial. um, Some person. Anyways. so, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but the point is like, so I think the way that we've broken this down is, and you guys are going to know right away the, the kinds of people that we're talking about when we just start naming names, you're like, Oh, that like people that you fill out a roster with who are going to, you know, help in key moments, but like not be sort of always consistent contributors in the way that, you know, a core member of the lineup would be right. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Like, like Spencer Dinwiddie's way above a depth right. piece. Wilson yes, Chandler is, is a depth a piece. pillar. Yeah, Wilson Chandler is a death piece. Spencer is a, is a pillar of the community, for and, sure. And there's there's a higher level of depth piece that you, like, we're going to have some names on here that are, like, guys you'd be like, no, they, those are way too expensive. But there's there's always things that happen. Um, we've kind of termed each of these, we've bracketed each of these groups of players. And there's, like, there's ring chasers, which we will get to in ne- the pod for later this week. Um but those are the type of like so we're we're only going to focus on one group right now, and then next week we're going to focus on an, a much more expanded list. Yes, yeah. So this is a very this is our the way that we've sort of ranked this is in in terms of actual needs and priorities. <clears throat> and for this team, the way that it's constructed, I've decided, and this is me. I don't know if you agree with this, but basically, cheap shooting. Well, any team really that's that's vying for championships require cheap shooting, lots of cheap shooting around them. And so for me, this is. Today's episode is brought to you by Cheap Shooting. Um, <laughs> and I, you're 100% right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> like, here's a good, like, you you mentioned Danny Green, not Cheap Shooting, right? That's expensive shooting. Expensive and shooting. Davis Bertans. Expensive. Expensive. Expensive shooting. You know, so he's not on the list because that's that's expensive shooting. He's a great shooter. I want him, but he's probably too expensive. Probably can't have him. A guy you might be able to get, Mike, and I'm just going to go right into it. Did you yeah, see this? Yeah. Um, this is a funny, I'm going to start with some memes, okay? But they're memes that I actually believe in. Yes, Dion Waiters, I think is a legit is a legitimate. Oh, it's a legit. Okay, <laughs> okay. So Dion Waiters got picked up by the Lakers at 500k. Uh, okay, that so he's cheap shooting. He is a bargain bin prices. Okay, and in in his good years, because there there he's all over the place statistically. Trying to pin him down on what he's actually good at is remarkably difficult if you're trying to use his previous seasons as any kind of... If you're trying to build data around Deion Waiters, you're going to have a hard time, okay? He's yeah. just a really random player. But there have been years where he was a way above average in catch-and-shoot threes. And in the years that he was doing that, he was pretty much only doing that. There were some years where he's... Like most... The, the way... High majority of his shot attempts were coming from catch and shoot threes. So he had just like basically decided like I need to actually know who I am. In, in certain moments of clarity, he was like, "What am I gonna? Wh- how am I gonna prolong this crazy NBA career I've got? Maybe I should just sh- shoot some threes at an above forty percent clip." And he did that, and that has gotten him some jobs, I believe. <laughs> that's 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 some jobs. My eyebrows but, are as raised as they can get. Oh, you're you're really for at five. If you can't pay him like under a million dollars a year for Dion Waiters, first of all, Kevin Durant loves Dion Waiters, so there's going to be a think he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, there is like a weird. He's he's referred to him as his protege. There's a weird sense that they're like like weird contemptuous buddy buddy thing. Like it's like a, a f- like <laughs> like a funny you know weird. Yeah, go ahead. you're probably right. Like you're probably yeah. right that Ke- Dion Waiters would be on this team if they are actually friends. Um. That's what I, I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. So anyway. you, you like Dion Waiters. It's not that I like Dion Waiters. <laughs> these are, these are, this is a thing that I could see. I could kind of see happening. I know maybe that's too much of a meme to start out with. Maybe I should have started with Langston Galloway. That would have been a lot more conservative. Yeah. That would ease into the night. <laughs> that would have been a, a, a nice beer before we break out the hard liquor. That is. No, Dion no we're going, we're going edibles, baby. We're, we're mainlining <laughs> edibles <laughs> right out of the gate. Um, so yeah, I like Dion Waiter. I I don't like Dion Waiter. At five hundred thousand dollars a year, are you kidding me? So here's the thing that I'm, and obviously I'm gonna, I'm gonna have guys on my list too that like aren't gonna don't fit you, with this team. Don't you think the Lakers vetted a little bit the Dion Waiter situation no. before throwing him five hundred k? Well, of course, because they, they, they could wipe their ass with five hundred k. That's that's and anyone could at this position. I don't think they really did. 
I don't think the Lakers care that much. I think Le- LeBron has such an impact on like a team ethic that that any a lot got, a lot of guys have been troubled before they've gotten into LeBron's crew, and then Le- Le- LeBron has figured out a way. It's one of his great gifts, which is seemingly how to get something out of someone who who has never really delivered in the clutch. Obviously, Dion Waiters was a pretty good player. I'm not saying he hasn't been a valued contributor here. Like, so you you have cheap shooting. I called them the Joe Harris replacements. I know you have more on your list, but I have, because here's the thing I've been kind of thinking about, you know, Joe Harris is going to cost a lot of money, but who knows now with the salary cap likely decreasing and the pandemic effect on the economy of the NBA, how exactly that's going to impact. Like it, if I'm Joe Harris, I'm more likely would want to sign a one year deal with the nets thinking that, okay, if I, play for one season with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I'm going to be worth much more when things are a bit more stable in the world than I am this offseason. We haven't even talked about that, but for the sake of the argument, I'm calling these Joe Harris replacements, just guys who can be on the floor. <clears throat> okay, well, I mean, I would push back a little on that because that's in the $12 million to $14 million range. I mean, right? That's... Yeah. So well, these depending, guys, on, depending on what kind of craziness happens. No, so these that, guys are not... These guys are okay. not okay. I just I want to make sure that it's not replacing that in terms of monetarily. Speaking. Absolutely not. That's impossible. My argument for why the Nets definitely should always try to. I mean, I don't. I'm not paying the luxury tax bill, but the Nets should sign Joe Harris just simply also because he's going to be a fill a salary slot that they will not be able to fill themselves. You know, the way with bird rights and everything. So the guys that I have on my list, I'll start off. I'll start off with another Laker, and he's probably going to be too expensive. This is a guy that the Nets at one point were thinking about maybe offering a max contract to. There was the dark, dark summer that we had where it was Otto Porter and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Remember how the debates that you and I would have on this podcast about Contavious Caldwell-Pope versus Otto Porter, who the Nets should offer their max contract to? No, we, we it wasn't. Yeah. No, it, it was, was Tyler Johnson was in there, too. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson was something separate. There was so obviously the Nets offered a max contract to Otto Porter or a near max. They were going to do it to KCP. Well, yes, I'm telling you the the Nets Nets daily comment thread was aflame with KCP versus Otto Porter conversations because oh, it's dark. We all leading into that free agent summer, whenever that was, I think it was like four years ago. Otto Porter was going to be a restricted free agent, and also was Contavious Caldwell Pope. And how much should the Nets offer either one? They're both relatively on the same plane. And the Nets obviously went in all, all in on Otto Porter. And the Wizards ended up accepting the contract that the Nets wrote. And the Nets, thank God they missed out on Otto Porter. Because if they had Otto Porter, they wouldn't be oh, able to Oh, we got get- our guy, Mike. We got our guy. We wouldn't got the crab man. And that was that was our way of, <laughs> of fixing that but, situation. But here's yeah. KCP. KCP is probably still looking for more money than the Nets want to give him. And I understand he's probably too rich for the depth piece issue, but he is a guard who can kind of play some, some small forwards. He's not horrible defensively. And he shoots 39% from three. And basically if you're looking for a replacement, all you're going to want out of this like bench shooter dude is just, are you competent enough when you're open from three to be a threat? Are you are you at least threatening enough so that when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are doing their thing and you're playing with them for only three minutes a game, but you're out there on the floor, what are you doing? How are you helping the offense? You're helping by being open and being a threat. KCP is enough of a threat from three that I think he's an interesting guy to look at. Another guy I have is Kyle Korver. Oh, you're just you're just firing them off now. Just I can't fire, even just fire them off. I can't. I'll can't, fire can't. off and then you fire. You fire. <laughs> I want to talk about Contavious Caldwell Pope. So, do you think he's he's 27 now? Yes. <clears throat> do you think at this stage, he's getting paid eight million, eight and a half million a year right now? Do you think his next contract is more or less than what he's less. getting paid now? He's significantly. Yeah. The only way it's more is if LeBron because. KCP, there's been long suspected the reason why KCP continues to get paid at such a high rate by the Lakers is because he's part of Clutch Sports, as is LeBron. LeBron, I guess, essentially owns Clutch Sports, kind of, sort of, whatever we want to say, the quasi-managerial mm-hmm. style that LeBron has over Clutch Sports. There's like been a long-running belief that KCP continues to get paid X amount of dollars by the Lakers because... That's just the LeBron effect. It's why Tristan Thompson got such a big contract with the Cavs is because Clutch Sports has that sort of influence over an organization when LeBron is there. The Lakers could very easily continue just to pay KCP at too much money 
I don't think Contavious Caldwell Pope is really worth eight and a half million dollars. And if he's interested in doing something else and being on a really good team, perhaps he wins a Lakers championship. I think the Nets, that's the good thing about the Nets is that like they're going to attract a lot of guys that that want to win championships because a lot of people will want to play with Kevin Durant and maybe kind of want to play with Kyrie Irving. I don't know. Um, I think guys respect Kyrie Irving for sure, regardless of the stories about him. So, so <clears throat> KCP is probably I, too expensive. I'll say this. Yeah. So KCP is not in the in that that at like group yet. I wouldn't say it. Not in the Dion Waiters group of taking massive, significant, huge discounts, pennies on the dollar. Um, to uh, sorry, I just got a message. Um, to 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 do like eighth man stuff. I don't think KCP is quite there yet. I think he's still chasing one last biggin. Is is my feeling about him? That's, That's just my feeling. That's yeah. fair. Okay, who's your next guy? Um, next guy, I'm deciding whether to go super meme or just actually build my reputation back up slowly. I think I will. I think I'll need to do that. Um, here's, here's one that I think is going to fly way under the radar. Um, for some people is Bryn Forbes. Um, yes, please tell me about Bryn Forbes. <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I did some, some deep dive. So Bryn Forbes, deeply undersized six, two shooting first guard, um, he was way overtasked as a starter on on this year's Spurs, uh, being the sole three point threat in, around Dejounte Murray and Demar Derozan. Uh, he's flawed. He's undersized again, um, but I think there's some evidence there to suggest he's playing well beneath those broader abilities. Um, probably better suited as a utility, spread the floor, cheap shooting seventh or eighth option on a very very good team. Tasking him with a lot more responsibility than that seems to be just out of his his current range. He's still very young, but I don't know where. I mean, they've obviously they like him because they've started him a lot of minutes in the season. But also, there's a weird, seemingly tense relationship between San Antonio and Bryn Forbes, and them facing a potentially very odd uh, rebuild, a, a herky jerky rebuild. I think Bryn Forbes may be a casualty of that. So. I don't know if he balks at a you know a contract that's in the two to four million range. I don't know that he's done enough to suggest that he's getting paid much more. And like you say, it's going to be a weird summer in terms of everyone probably taking a pretty fat discount. I think you can get Brent for you can insert your name in there and get a really good, uh, super high efficiency if low volume shooter at a very cheap price. There. See, it's interesting you so and I don't really want to do the debate of like all every time of like, is this guy gonna take this versus this? Because that's yeah, gonna get yeah, boring podcasting. That's gonna get boring. But I will say I, I think I think Bryn Forbes is gonna get paid more than KCP because You think so? Yeah, ultimately Bryn Forbes is like he's like he averaged like over eleven points per game the past two seasons. He's been shooting at a pretty nice rate from three for the entirety of his career besides his rookie season. You know, he has he has some level of contribution that is definitive and he's been a starter in the pop system. And there's just going to be, I like Bryn Forbes for sure. I don't know if I like love him for the nets only because, and I think we're going to get to this in our other bit pieces, our other depth pieces. I'm also trying to, so we started with the Joe Harris replacements or the three point shooting, cheap shooting. None of these guys are really going to be that good on defense. So nothing. Oh, yeah. that's, that's not what they're here for. That's not what none of these guys are here for. So like none of this is going to apply. I mean, better if they can do it, but it's not. Yeah. But if I'm the Nets particularly, and I'm not, this isn't against Bryn Forbes. I'm also more focusing on the defensive aspect. I am focusing on cheap shooting and then I'm focusing on defense because with Kyrie already, and then probably with DeAndre Jordan as your center, who isn't a bad defender, but he isn't elite as a center. You're, you're, there's like a, going to be a big gap between bottom of the league, which is where the Nets will probably be. And then higher up. That I will remind everyone, the Nets, once once things kind of restructured with the Nets, once Kyrie first went out with his injury, the Nets were like at least an average NBA defense. If not, they were rising up the ranks pretty quickly. So the the Nets defense is kind of a meme that isn't is overrated. Like, but the, but you still want to be good at defense. Okay, but I like Bryn Forbes, but I think he's probably too productive. He's probably, and that's and that's fair. But that, um, but, but I like well, those are ideas we got to be putting out. There, those right? are ideas, uh, of course. Those I mean, and I'm open to the idea that I'm way undervaluing or overvaluing people. That's that's normal behavior for me. Can I ask you just like a question about yes, someone? I'm ready. So is this the meme? here's this, this is, is a, an absolute meme. This is a full blown meme. Sure. Well, the next two guys are. Um, so. 
I want to know where everyone, where the world stands on Nicholas Batum. Because, so he's got a player option for an, a, an egregious amount of money. Some like 32 or 34 million or something like that. Uh, he averaged just garbanzo trash. He's only 31 though. He's still right in the very, he should be cresting on his, on his best years. Um, and what exactly, why has the bottom fallen out? Also, he has this weird article that's on NBC news from a couple months ago about how he's apologizing to the Charlotte fan base for not living up to his contract that he doesn't think he's going to be a part of the future of the franchise. Um, so like the way I'm weaseling in here to say, like he's, obviously going through something is he going through something to the tune of leaving some 30 million dollars on the table i don't know that doesn't sound like it no no human no human would 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 do that the only way he does that if he knows he can get a contract in europe with one of those teams where he gets paid like eight million dollars or like per season i don't know if they, they even pay that much money but they do pay a pretty good amount of money in the european league particularly if you're a good european player like he is and he would be a draw if you're like a big team in Paris who wanted to sign someone like Nicholas Batum. Like I'm thinking like Nikola Mirotic. He spurned the NBA to go back over to Spain to play basketball mm-hmm. because one, he's getting paid a good amount of money. They also pay your taxes, which like when the when you hear the salary of a guy in Europe, sometimes they don't even say that then they're paying taxes on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm Batum and if I'm feeling like I've been in Charlotte for X amount of seasons, I have got paid a bunch of money. I do see that. I don't see him going to another NBA team, though, and then giving up $30 million. Like, because yeah. <clears throat> his next contract is going to be a minimum. I mean, let's, you didn't say the stats. This season, it's three points, right? <laughs> 3.6 points per game. And, and yeah. like, okay, he had three assists per game and 4.5 rebounds, which is like, kind of shocking that you were able to get three assists per game if you're only scoring three points like that shows that he still has a level of engagement (laughs) that's like yeah but he was this is the crazy thing about nicholas batum so he gets that he gets that max contract right i imagine after the 2015 2000 the the last season he signed a five year in 2016 right so he at the end of he doesn't does he get traded to charlotte and then he gets the max contract or did he get the max contract only in charlotte so Um, it was it wasn't even a max, so that's that's what's crazy about that whole like period there. That five years, hundred twenty million was not considered a max contract. Oh, um, so he got traded. He spent one year in Charlotte, and then he got the max contract. I just looked it yeah. up. So okay. he only averaged fifty. Not not, but you're saying it's not a max. I understand. He averaged fifteen points, six rebounds, and six assists. And I do remember feeling like Nicholas Batum was super important. Um, yeah. To those teams, and I would love myself a Nicholas Batum. That's the 48 win Charlotte Hornets that year. That was, you know, probably one of their best years since they've been uh, back in basketball in Charlotte. I I would love Nicholas Batum. He feels like a guy, though, he's going to write out this contract and then he's going to become someone that, like, some team is going to try to get on a super cheap deal. If not, so, he's going to go back to Europe, I think. It's weird, though, to be laying the groundwork to exit a year in advance of needing to exit. Though, If you're going to say, I, I don't feel like I'm going to be a part of the future of this franchise, I will take that player option, though, kind sir, <laughs> is is a weird way of negotiating. Well, one way that they the, the – what may be happening, this is to your point, is that mm-hmm. Batum may agree to t- – he's going to take his player option because – you don't just give up that money, but then they do the amnesty and they say goodbye to him. And that way they, whatever his contract is for this next season, what did you say it was? $20 million? It's 27. Oh, Jesus. Uh, if it's $27 million, that then they just, they just, you know, break it up over a five-year period. So then the then the Hornets have a lot more room. And Batum, because Batum's not going to turn down $27 million. So I understand what you're saying. I don't think he's going to turn down $27 million. Maybe he agrees to take it and knowing that he's going to be cut by the Hornets because they would rather just pay him $5 million a year for the next five years. Do the Darren mm-hmm. Williams. Because, mm-hmm. by the way, this is the last Darren Williams season. Do you know this? Darren Williams is I, done. I did know this. Very we talked about this. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I like Nicholas. I like you, brought A weird aside. A weird aside, but I thought something that I, I wanted to deep Definitely something into. to monitor. That's for sure. Yeah. And I wouldn't have put him in the cheap shooting. No, he doesn't really fit any of the kind of categories. That's part of it. He's a, you know, he's a, a Swiss army knife, Mike. So he didn't really fit any of them. But I mean, there were some good shooting years. If I'm like, I'm trying to think of what team could really use a Nicholas Batum. Like you're going to want to be a team that actually kind of needs, it needs length, obviously in ball handling, because 
Batum at his best was a non-scoring wing who could who could like kind of facilitate the offense in some way. Can I say I think that like weirdly just because they they seem to be stacking up a lot of these types of players is Miami feels like a weird like kind of good fit for that. I don't yeah. know. They've got a lot of depth though already. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, my next guy. So I kind of mentioned him already, but Kyle Korver, the guy is he, he shot forty one and a half percent from three this season. He's probably forty years old now. I think it is. Um, he doesn't command any more money. He only can shoot. He has already played. <laughs> With Kyrie Irving, he is 38 years old right now. Um, wow. He he. Oh no, he's 39. He turned 39 in March, so he's 39 years old. Um, he was drafted, of course, by the New Jersey Nets. Come so we, bring him home. Bring him home. Bring him home. Yeah. Of course, if you don't know the story, the Nets traded him for the amount of money that it would take to buy a new fax machine, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the saddest things possible. But Corver is to me the definition of cheap shooting. He no longer would command any amount of money at all to sign him. He can only shoot threes, but he has for a long stretch of his career by playing near LeBron has, he knows what it takes to just, and now he plays for Milwaukee. He plays 17 minutes a game for Milwaukee and is shooting again, uh, 42% from three. He, he's a guy who, if let's say he wants to do one more season in a different city, just likes to travel around. Mm. Brooklyn Nets. Why not? I mean, he, he is on, why not? Uh, Joe Joe Harris. I actually think a lot of teams, if he's interested in playing, would probably like LeBron would probably try to convince him to come to L.A. I'm, I'm sure Milwaukee will do try to do a really good job of getting him to come back because he's playing for Mike Boldenholzer. We played for with Atlanta. But th- that to me is like a guy that very attainable uh, and is the ultimate form of cheap shooting, though you're only getting shooting from him at this point. No, this is an, uh, another aside, but having watched a little Last Dance, it's on the on the forefront of my mind is like a great. This this is just a weird callback, but just Cliff Robinson, that archetype of of, of player, would be a pretty perfect fit for what we're talking about. Do you remember any Uncle Cliffy? Yeah, in yeah yeah a little bit. Anyways, because I was watching that Port, those Portland games and a young Cliff Robinson um, really popped off. So um, here's an, another complete meme. Are you ready? Yes. So. If I had told you that this player shot a better percentage than Joe Harris on catch and shoot threes, would you be interested? Just just toss that little information, <laughs> a nugget your way. I would be very interested. Very. Would the fact that he's getting paid one fourteenth of what <gasps> Joe Harris is getting paid, would that spark your interest anymore? Please, absolutely. What would I? <laughs> how fast would that interest go away if I told you that that player's name was Isaiah Thomas <laughs> of your Washington Wizards? Oh no, it goes, <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> Evaporated. But here's the thing: Isaiah Thomas had an elite catch and shoot percentage shooting year this year. So I'm wondering if he has the ability to like totally pivot his game into being some like just dedicated three point shooter, a Steve Kerr, if you will, um, in his later years. The problem with Isaiah Thomas has been the problem is you can never playing with Kyrie Irving. He cannot play. Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying start him with Kyrie Irving. No, but you have the some of these bench shooters have there there has to be some idea that maybe this guy could be in a lineup at the end of games as like the spacing guy and hmm. you'd have to hope that their defense isn't so horrible. Now, I know Corver probably his defense is so horrible that he couldn't be on the floor with them. Isaiah Thomas is an interesting name, and I'm proud of you for for finding that that diamond in the rough. Um, <laughs> it's like it's a he is shooting an elite percentage, 45 percent on catch and shoot threes. He still has some offensive juice, but I think it was telling that no one in the NBA picked him up after he was cut. That there wasn't a single team in the NBA who was interested in a pretty productive Isaiah Thomas, and that just means to me that the word is out that he can no longer score at the basket, and that obviously defensively, it's just there isn't anything. They're only only CJ McCollum and JJ Redick are shooting better on catch and shoot threes. Okay, maybe I need to rethink my thoughts about Isaiah Thomas. I mean, just in terms of like if you if you were to just, I know it's hard to divorce him from the meme that he is and and the weird trajectory of his career, but if you get him to just isolate the one thing that he seems to be doing at a very elite level, I feel like you could you could make that an option that makes sense for people. A okay. Steve Kerr option. Okay, so. I'll do I'll do two here because I want to get one is going to take ten seconds. Marco Bellinelli thirty and thirty eight percent from three. 
Like Great. he's been a guy in really big offensive systems where he's been a bit player. He actually can hit the ball a little bit. Totally everyone. Okay. Everyone's in on Marco Bellinelli. If he's a minimum contract guy for the Nets, everyone's excited. Okay. The guy I want to get to, if we're going to meme it up, if we're going to dive yeah. into the meme, meme let's, memes, let's do it. J.R. Smith, buddy. Bring me on, J.R. What? <laughs> what? What? In 2020, it still hasn't gone away? Dude, you, we just need to bring him in on a 10-day just so that we can get you your fix, man. You're jonesing. This has been the monkey on your back for half a decade now. Long-time listeners know I've always been a J.R. Smith fan, no matter what he has done in his life. Crazy. I don't know his full wreck, uh, but he has always been a fan of J.R. Smith. He's going to be 35 years I can't old. Believe, I can't believe you raked me over the coals for Dion Waiters <laughs> and then followed it up with J.R. Smith. It's 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 egregious. It's egregious. Um, we are no longer friends because of what I just did here on this podcast today. J.R. Yeah. Smith, 35 years old, last full season that he actually played was 2017-2018, which feels like forever ago. He is a champion. He has played with Kyrie Irving. That season, that last full season, he shot 41% from three. The reason why he's not playing basketball right now was because the Cavs basically told him to go away. Um, I, If we're talking cheap shooting, I don't think you get any cheaper than J.R. Smith. I think J.R. Smith, if we offered a minimum contract, could do the job of being a bench shooter. And he's from Newark. It would be kind of coming home. It would be coming home for him. Um, I J.R. Smith, J.R. Smith, give me, make him the 10th man on the roster, the, the 11th. And he comes in and he shoots some threes. And then you kind of see what you got from him and J.R. Smith. That's all. Um, that's interesting. Hey, I, so <clears throat> just full disclosure, the way that I've gone through this is just obviously looking at catch and shoot. Um, yep. percentages and, and going sort of comparing the, the maids to the attempts and then the percentages, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, here's a, a weird outlier that I was not paying attention to, but would you guess that what Rodney Hood shot from three point this season in, in 21 games with your Portland Trailblazers? <laughs> um, 48% from three. Yeah, 49. A blistering 49. I've always kind of liked Rodney Hood. A fair amount of attempts too. Nothing to nothing to battle Ash at three point four percent or three point four uh, attempts per game. Um, at at eleven points. I mean, like, what what kind of contract is? I, I this is buried somehow on on NBA.com stats. Um, and now it's all of a sudden popping off the page. It's Rodney Hood. My gosh. Can I tell you some Kevin Durant news? <laughs> okay. Uh, is this happening now? Is this live? Nets Daily retweeted someone named Jacob Rabe, R-A-A-B-E. Jacob lives in Woodland Hills, California. He has 97 followers on Twitter. Rab himself. But the Rab man tweeted out 51 minutes ago. So we're recording this at 235. So this would be 140 whatever. Sorry. 144? 130? Whatever. Uh, Our time. So this is very recently. He tweeted out a photo of Kevin Durant and him. Jacob is wearing a mask and Kevin Durant's wearing a hoodie. And Jacob says, thank you, Katie Trey for taking time out of your morning workout and letting me take, get this photo with you. Even with the world where it's at, I hope to see you all back on the NBA court soon. So Jacob, the reporter, Jacob is telling us that he discovered Kevin Durant working, doing a morning workout outdoors in California which is like, we think Kevin Durant was in California. I think we knew that. Um, so KD is working out, by the way, just so we all know. He's working out. Jacob confirms KD is working out currently. <laughs> so KD okay. is planning for the comeback, even as we Oh, I see. <laughs> yes, oh, you didn't know that. That's where wow. Wow. Right. Why, why I think anything else is going to come out of my mouth. Whenever I, I, Durant, I, I, I'm always, thing. I don't know why I'm surprised. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same treat every time. Um, how long is this podcast? Uh, we are pushing an hour and two minutes now. All right, we should end it because yeah, Langston no Galloway is my last guy. I was gonna. It's a real dud. Who? Who? Langston Galloway. He's gonna be. Oh, yeah. He's gonna be no, he's, coming off. He's a guy. A a, uh, a a a contract that he did not live up to in Detroit. They're probably not going to bring him back. Blah 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 blah. It's low ceiling, low volume scoring guard. Perfect. Sign me up. That's that's. I need to build back my reputation as a person who thinks conservatively, Mike. That's what I bring to the table here. Okay. 
Yeah. You're the conspiracy theorist. I'm the Langston Galloway guy. <laughs> um, thank you, Jacob, by the way, for tweeting that. That, that is a uh, true delight. I'm going to retweet him right now. Um, yeah, so those were our three-point special cheap shooting, cheap shooting section. I, I will tease the, the, the sections I will be doing. I, I have my Andre Karolenko ring chasers. I have my Dinwiddie replacement, just one, and my Rodman lights. Those Do you are, think that Batum could could be a ring chaser? Does he you think he cares about rings? Sorry, this is for a question for that that show. We should do a whole Batum week. We yeah. should. Do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think like so. That. I mean, but he that's he, I, if I was his agent, is, I would tell him there's no way. Is it? Yeah. I would say this is what we can do. You accept your player option, and then we will negotiate some way with yeah, you where got, you can be cut. You got it. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, we will. And I don't even know if you can give back. I don't think you can give back money, to be honest. If he accepts like 80% of his contract, who says no, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the Charlotte wants to get rid of him. And if they can and if they can amnesty him, if they can stretch out his contract, why not? Like, it would be $5 million a year for the next five years. Okay, that's not that's way better than having $27 million on Batum this year, right? Yeah. Um, I So what was your, if he's a ring chaser right now? I mean, I think... He it sounds a, like he's like at the bottom of a bottle or something. He sounds depressed right now. So he, I, I don't he know. Was what a he's a winning doing. basketball player, you know. Like my yeah. image of Batum before things got like ugly in Charlotte was like that was a Spursian dude, right? That was a guy who played like a really nice style of basketball. That that was a winning player, and I it would make sense that he would want to try to win again. Though I do like, I do wonder if he's just lost it. Like I'm sure Charlotte could have used a really good Nicholas Batum, and he doesn't have it anymore there's been two different coaches that he's been under maybe even three different coaches in charlotte and he now is cratered under borrega so i don't know hmm. but i would take i would take oh i would take batum in a second batum week is next week we're going to talk about it all week uh thank week. you all for listening we are so happy you still are we will continue to update you on the brooklyn nets kevin durant and everything else <laughs> right here on wow. the glue guys what a newsy outro really nicely done mike a professional podcaster, top of his game right there. Five stars we want to win them. Have to have them. Thanks, everybody. Bye.